Are you still struggling to make business impact on Instagram? Are you considering working with influencers on Instagram, but you don't know the why and how? Perhaps as an entrepreneur business owner, you also want to leverage Instagram for your personal brand. Regardless of what angle you want to look at Instagram at, today we have all bases covered in this special interview with Viv and Tosh from Ace the Gram. Stay tuned. This is the Maximize Your Social Influence podcast with Neil Schaefer, where I help sales and marketing professionals, entrepreneurs, and small business owners build, leverage, and monetize their influence in digital and social media. Hey everybody, Neil Schaefer here, and welcome to episode number 168 of the Maximize Your Social Influence podcast. I love it when those of you that reach out to me, you know, love that podcast episode. The ROI for me publishing this podcast is really in all the feedback I get from you. But recently, uh, because I realized that there's various tools out there that can actually help me see the popularity of this podcast in different countries around the world. So it's really exciting to see, and I'm going to give a shout out to some of you listening because I know that although I am based here in the United States and a lot of people from the United States are listening, it's really awesome to see that this podcast has recently become a top 50 marketing podcast, which is my category in countries like the United Kingdom, Canada, Mexico, Taiwan, few others. I don't need to go into the to the full details, but I just want to thank you all for listening and making me part of your day. As a podcaster, you always wonder if your content resonates with people. And really what it comes down to is the downloads and the charts. So thank you for joining me on this journey. As part of the journey today, we're going to take a new and refreshing look at Instagram marketing in 2020 and beyond. And I cannot think of a better guest to have on the show to do this than with Viv and Tosh from Ace the Gram. Well, you're going to hear their story. I am a true fan of their podcast, and it's just an honor of all the uh, podcasts that I listen to, that I've been listening to religiously. They are the first guests that I've had that I've been able to interview from listening to their voices for tens if not over 100 episodes. So it was really an honor, really gratifying. But more than anything, when it comes to Instagram marketing, and we're going to cover both the Instagram marketing side, the influencer marketing side, as well as using Instagram for personal branding, we're going to cover, I believe, all those key things you need to hear to be successful on Instagram today. And I think you're going to enjoy the refreshing way, truly authentic and and just commonsensical way in which Vivintas really openly and freely share their experience and their wisdom. So without further ado, let's get into today's episode. Welcome to the Instagram podcast with your guests, Instagram specialists, Viv and Tosh. All right, today, no, this isn't the Instagram podcast, but we have special guests from the Instagram podcast, Instagram specialist, Viv and Tosh, take it away. Thanks so much for having us. We are stoked to be on your podcast today. Yeah, very oh. happy to be here, Neil. And we're, we're together. I think you're still in lockdown, but we can be in the same house. So it's quite exciting. And at least we don't have to be in three different sort of Zoom windows right now. It's quite shocking to see two people like one feet 
next to each other you know on video so anyway i know that you, no one listening is going to be able to see the video so so let me tell you a little bit about vivintosh as some of you who have been listening to this podcast faithfully i took like a few year break and then i published an episode it's like i was never a consumer of podcasts i sort of did podcasting this you know what we call content marketing just another thing to do and as I began listening to podcasts, I realized they were total brain food. So I was on a mission to find awesome podcasts. And I always like searching for underdogs. It's like, yeah, I know you got, there's all these famous people with podcasts, but what else is out there? So I do a little search for Instagram on Apple Podcasts. And one of the podcasts that came up was Ace the Gram. And I, with every podcast, I start with the very, very first episode. And I listen all the way through. Normally after five episodes, it's like the go, no go point. But I kept listening. And now you're on season two, I believe, right? Or is it season three? Season two. Season okay. two, yeah. Yeah, and, and it's been really an awesome podcast. Uh, I'll put it in the show notes, but I do have this list of the top. I always listen to 10 podcasts at a time. And uh, Instagram is still on that list. And I'll put the link to that blog post in, in, uh, in the show notes. But yeah, just really, really awesome. This convergence of Instagram marketing, influencer marketing, and personal branding. Um, just, you know, there's a lot of um, BS out there. I'm sure you would agree about Instagram marketing in general, including other Instagram podcasts. So, you know, you hear people talking about, oh, I grew my followers. And then all of a sudden they have some rogue tool that's sponsoring their podcast. It's like, okay, now I know how you did this, right? Or other people, it's like, oh, it's all about hashtags. And then they start talking about email marketing and landing pages. Like, oh, okay. So just really appreciate the authenticity, the transparency, and the amazing things you've been able to do and, and teach. And I know that you only do in-person workshops in New Zealand, so I'll have to fly down for one of those. But that's sort of my intro. That why don't you two, in your own words, sort of describe who you are, what you do, how you help businesses today and people. Well, I'm very flattered at those compliments, Neil. I think I would hate to think what our very first podcast sound like, but <laughs> yeah, we are on season two and we have a lot of fun. And one of our biggest um, focuses is that we give a lot of value to our listeners. But I suppose the reason we are able to give so much value is sort of our backgrounds and where we came from and if, how we came to Instagram, if you like. So for reference, my voice is Viv. And my voice is Tash. And we started Instagram marketing back in 2014, we figured. So I personally was building a small sportswear brand and I was using Instagram to drive them majority of my web traffic and turn those into sales and then Tash was doing something slightly different. Yes so I was we met at university obviously and in uni. my last year. I yes. the, I the Kiwi words here uni. Yeah. Oh yeah so college, college. <laughs> um, and we were both yeah doing food science and we were spending a lot of time talking about Instagram because obviously Viv was using it for her brand and I was figuring out how I could stand out from the crowd when I was going to apply for jobs the next year and I thought well I've got you know I've always been passionate about photography and I'm really passionate about these different healthy recipe innovations that I'm making I'm watching all these people do this online and they're, they're really no different to me so I thought okay I'm gonna take the plunge and I'm gonna start posting on Tastefully Tash which is my creator page now and to see where that goes and sort of try some of these trial and error um, growth strategies and community finding tools that Viv and I were discussing in food science uh, so yeah gradually we both grew to the point where people were asking us how we were doing it so that they wanted help for their own brands or personal brands um, and from there yeah we just Instagram evolved and now we have clients from all over the world which is amazing so food science is where you started yeah. correct okay so you have sort of this natural combination Tosh you were talking about Instagram for personal branding Viv you had your own sporting clothes yeah food photography these are the things that just naturally sell on Instagram don't they 
Yeah, we were pretty lucky at the beginning with the niches we chose because it was typically, you know, when we started that many years ago, there was like sort of luxury pages of travel, there were food pages and there were like bright and exciting like activewear or sporty kind of pages and there are a couple of other niches but though we did fit into those main niches which really worked in our favor. Awesome. So now it's 2020 and like every other social network, Instagram's matured, there's more competition, although it's still compared to any other social network still gives you the most engagement in general, right, on average. So for those that are either starting out or, I mean, I guess the question is, what would you do differently today than you might have done five or six years ago vis-a-vis Instagram? Yeah, I love that question. And I think the first, you know, when we speak to anyone, whether it's a client or someone that's just asking for a little bit of help, the, we all, it always comes back to why are you on Instagram? So I think six years ago, we could kind of be a little bit, you know, a little trial and error and whatever. And now you've got to be so focused on, okay, what am I here for? Am I trying to build a personal brand and share my message? Am I try, Am I here to sell product? Like, how am I going to get these people off the platform and to my website? So what is your overall goal, I suppose? And then from there, how am I going to keep people interested? What's the value that I have to provide to them to keep them entertained, um, to keep them informed, to keep them educated? And then what's that what's that whole sort of customer journey so I suppose you know from Instagram what does that look like but but what's after that so I know you mentioned lead um, landing pages and so on a little bit earlier but looking at our marketing mix if you will whether it is a personal brand or for a business and just understanding how that all fits into one yeah and I think as well on top of that six years ago five years ago you could quite easily post a variety of things and that would be okay because the way the algorithm worked was it was chronological. So if you went in your feed, it was five seconds ago, five minutes ago, five hours ago as you scrolled through. So you could post a variety of things and that wouldn't affect how you were shown to people. Whereas with the algorithm now, which is value-based, Instagram does have niches that it puts you into. So the more that you can nail your niche and be really specific and provide value to a really specific audience, the more Instagram's going to know who you are, what you're about, who you want to be shown to, and they'll do that for you. So you do have to be more niche these days. So that's interesting because I know like your last few podcast episodes, you've been talking about niche, 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 niche. So, and, I, and all of us in, in, you know, everywhere in the world, like if you're an entrepreneur or social media, you got to pick a niche. But the way you describe the Instagram algorithm working, that it's actually classifying your profile according to a niche is really interesting. Yeah. So what you're saying is when you're posting all sorts of different types of imagery and different types of hashtags, the algorithm then doesn't know how to classify you. And therefore, generally speaking, you're not going to get the type of impressions you would get if you're represented by a singular niche. Is that the way you see the algorithm today? Yeah, so I suppose the way that we look at it is, and I'm not sure if you've ever used Facebook ads or if you, any of your listeners has used Facebook ads, and if you target by interest, you can go in and you can click like, okay, you can click fitness, but then a sub-niche of that might be like bodybuilding or yoga. So if we think about the Instagram algorithm as a machine, we kind of like it, like to think about it as if it's using that same kind of interest-based targeting, if you like, or it might be location. So in order for that machine to figure out where you fit in to either of those sub-niches or locations, it can only do that by what you tell it. In order to help the machine understand, we want to think about, okay, well, what hashtags am I using? What am I actually posting in my photos? Who am I engaging with? Who am I following? What people are following me? What are their interests? So all, everything we do on Instagram has to reflect where we want to be shown. So if I'm, you know, if I've got a client that's in the 
dance realm, I'm not going to go and search for competitors of a you know trucking company on that account because that's going to confuse the algorithm and they're going to go, hold on a second, what are you interested in? And it's just important to think about that, I think. And then all yeah. your imagery has to reflect that as well. Yeah, and I think a note about that is, when we're smaller, that these are the things we have to think about when we have a smaller account. If you look at the Kylie Jenners and the Kim Kardashians of the world, they can post whatever they like because they already have that massive audience. And I think a lot of people starting out look at those examples and think, oh, well, you know, Kylie posts X, Y, Z. Um, so I can post whatever I like and she's really big. But the difference is it is like starting a business. You don't start a business and have trucking products and plant products and cleaning products. Yeah. yeah. So you you start with a really specific um, offering and product. And then as you grow and as that audience space grows, then you can diversify. And it's the same thing on Instagram. So based on that, let me ask you two additional questions. So are you saying that with the way that Facebook ads targeting works, that those interests is not just represented by your content, but also the content that you as a profile engage with, who you follow, what content you like? Are you saying that that also, the more niche, not only your content is, but your actions are the better representation you're going to get in the algorithm? Is that sort of your understanding? Yeah, because if we think about it, like, you know, we've got to speak Instagram's language to get them to do what we want. So, um, you know, Instagram doesn't favor you over me over anyone else. It just takes into account the data that it can read. And the data that it can read is what we can give it by um, the more consistent we can be with that niche and those actions and all representing the same thing that we want them to know. Um, that's the best chance we can have to make them do what we want them to do for us. And I suppose like being interested in food ourselves, I like to look at often like local eateries is like an easy thing or an example to think of. So if you're a local cafe, you're interacting with a lot of local people, you're using food hashtags, you're using location tags of the same area, it becomes really easy for Instagram to figure out, okay, cool, they post a lot of food, they're in this area, people from this area like them and engage with them and people from this area also probably like other accounts from the area. So it's really obvious that they're in one area, but that they're also food do you know what I mean so yeah. it becomes very clear yeah because I think people do get you know stressed when we tell them this because they're like well um I don't know what my niche is or I don't know if I'm specific enough or what that is but your niche can be such a doesn't have to just be food or fitness it can be the location that you live in because that's where your audience is it can be what your target audience is interested in that type of thing so you don't have to you know laser focus onto yoga but you can figure out your niche so what then is the role? So obviously you want to get your followers to engage with you as well. So I, I suppose we're looking at two different things, right? The, the hashtag impressions you get above and beyond your followers and then engagement from your followers. So that also, I'm assuming, is still an important part of the algorithm that your followers are, gonna, are, are first going to see your content and engage with that. And that also helps as well, right? So you still need a balance of both, I assume. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. We want to provide value to those people that we already have on board. So even little tips of if they, if your, if your audience is commenting on your page, one of your priorities should always be to reply to them or if they DM you or reply to your stories, always make an effort because that'll make them come back. Gotcha. Okay. So, so we've talked about sort of if, if you're a brand or if you're a personal brand, that, that niche. And I've seen it, you know, I, I, I've never niched down. That's sort of my my bad thing. I started like 10 years ago with a niche and then I sort of niched up just because I got bored with that niche. But I totally see it because I have had certain images or videos go relatively viral, but they don't convert into follows. So they'll get the impressions I get a like, but then not the, and that's a real clear sign that everything has to be aligned, right? Do, do you see that a lot with your clients? 
Yeah, totally. Like if you had a if you had a, an Instagram account in one niche and then you yeah, like you say, posted something that went viral. If you if the rest of your account was super relevant and you had then all those people clicking over, they stalked, they love what you were offering, um, then the chances of them continuing to follow you and potentially then converting to wherever else you wanted to push them are very high. But like you say, yeah, if you if you're posting a little bit of everything and then it's not really very clear, um, to a person that might have been just interested in that one thing that you posted and it's not then like backed up by that that's when it makes it harder to convert people yeah and I think as a business you know or personal brand you can become a specialist in something and push that as a more niche representation of the broader things that you then do so you know us as Instagram specialists that's always been really good for us because it gets our foot in the door as specialists to talk to people and then they often need more than that and we can provide that it's sort of like you know Apple with the iPhone the iPhone will get people in the door but then they do all these other things so they they market the iPhone and they make the iPhone like what people think of when they think of them. Right, right. Okay. So that really, I think, you know, compared to other social networks, Instagram becomes so strategic because of that focus and its relationship with the algorithm and expectations of the user. I've always thought, well, I haven't always thought, but it was actually a blogger of mine who like blogged like five years ago, what you can learn about Instagram from magazines. And it almost sounds like Instagram is trying to become this personal magazine. You have people you follow, but it's always trying to expose you to that content around your interests. So if you as a business can play into that, that's going to be your strength. Yeah, I, I like that analogy. And I think at the end of the day, if we think about Instagram as a business itself, Instagram wants to keep its users on the platform for as long as possible. So if it thinks, okay, Tash is interested in food. If I can ta- show Tash as many food pictures and like food things that she's into, then I'll keep her on the ad- app for longer and I can show her more ads. And that's revenue for me as Instagram. So when, we, uh, when we're the food account that wants to be shown to other foodies, that's why our actions are so important because Instagram wants to show us to people, you know, like you say with the magazine, they want to expose us to more people that may be interested in our content. We've just got to be laser focused so it knows what we are, so it can show us. And, and it sounds like the difference compared to other networks like a Facebook or even like a LinkedIn is those networks still focus on showing you content from your connections or friends. Whereas maybe because the supply demand, there just aren't that many as many content creators on Instagram because it's a little bit harder to publish a photo than to just say something, that there's always more content to consume. And therefore, what you see in your feed is often going to go above and beyond who you follow. Yeah, definitely. And I think user behavior and the shifts in user behavior, Instagram's always been quite good at reading those and then changing and innovating to reflect what people are interested in. Like when, you know, Instagram was getting too unattainable on the feed and people were starting to watch Snapchat stories, then Instagram just thought, okay, that's what people want. We're going to do Instagram stories. And now that's like a core way that people interact with the platform. And then machine learning is getting more sophisticated to show you relevant things that you want to see because you look at the likes of TikTok and how powerful a really good machine learning platform can be and how addictive that is. So Instagram's just trying to be more and more addictive in a way. So as a brand, there are obviously a a few different things you can do with Instagram. So you have IGTV, you have stories, you have photo video, you have things like hashtag, you have things like making sure you know your whole content strategy. If you were to prioritize and obviously engagement with your own community and then engaging outside of your community. If you were to sort of prioritize those things for the listeners of the top three things they should really focus their efforts on. I'm assuming that whole niche content. I mean, that, that has to be first, but outside of that, where should they be focusing on today? If they're listening to this. 
I think there's a few steps to it. So I think the first thing is obviously deciding your intention. So why you're on Instagram, what you want to get out of it, and then your content strategy will come from that. And then second is investing in the content that provides that value that will attract your target audience. We see time and time again, you know, premium brands who have great products and invest all this time into research and development and other forms of marketing. And what they don't realize is that most people's first touch point with their brand is their Instagram presence or their online presence. And if you don't invest and good quality content, then that's the direct idea of your brand that they'll have in their mind. So if you've got, yeah, in turn taking random photos, um, then that doesn't necessarily reflect the quality of your brand that you want. So we are big fans of people that invest in their content. Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean that it's always got to be super aesthetic. If your value is in humor or it's in education or it's in a different area to aesthetic, then that's still an area that you're investing in. You want that what your value is to be reflected within that content. And then third becomes discoverability techniques. So we've optimized our profile so that when people come over, they'll stick. Um, and the third is, yeah, getting out in front of those people. So starting to use those functions, Instagram gives us access to like hashtags, like location tags, like doing giveaways, like starting to do influence marketing and those more sophisticated discoverability techniques. Gotcha. All makes sense. All, all very logical. So let's shift gears a little bit to you just mention influencer marketing and, and you know i think 80 percent up till recently 80 percent of influence marketing budgets were going to instagram and i've always been a believer that brands really struggle with creating the type of content that instagram requires not not a blatant advertisement but true lifestyle content that that people can really relate to so based on that my I, there's a lot of others that say oh you know you need to be more human with your brand what have you but i think it's really hard for brands to be human so i've always opted with the approach that why don't you just obviously there's user generated content if people are talking about your brand which is great but obviously leveraging influencers as really superior content creators when it comes down to instagram what would be your advice at what point should brands just immediately start working with influencers should 100 percent of the content be outsourced influencers. And I know that in, you've worked with a lot of brands, you know, doing that, uh, both creating content in the back as well as working with influencers. So I know there's all sorts of varieties here. There's no one sort of answer, but what is sort of your view on that? Uh, does it make sense for businesses and why? Yeah, absolutely. I think like you say, Neil, there's a, there's a number of reasons why you would use an influencer. So we might say, oh, actually, okay, the brand we're working with really needs content. They don't have a lot of budget, but they do have a really valuable product. Maybe they've got wine. Um, and we can send this wine out to like lots of different influencers, if you like. Maybe they've got smaller followings, but they take really great photos. And we can use influencers for content, you know, for no other reason. We're not, we're not looking for hundreds of thousands of followers or anything like that. We just actually want content and that's the value exchange there. It may then also be that, hey, actually, we're going to use some of those discoverability techniques and we want to engage with influencers to run some giveaways so that when we only have 400 followers ourselves, if we were to run a giveaway, we might only get 200 entries. But if we then use an influencer that has 100,000 followers, we're all of a sudden being put in front of a target audience that we know is similar to our own and who we want to target in the future. We've created a giveaway that's appealing to our target audience and in doing so, we then bring followers back to our own account. It may then be another case of, okay, well, I just want to get heaps of awareness out there. Maybe I've got a really low cost product that I can send to lots of different people. I think we've seen the likes of Alea Skincare over in Aussie. They did 7 million in their first year turnover because they were sending out 600 face masks a day. Like 
low-cost product, but for them, massive brand awareness. So back to that idea of, okay, I need to build up as many touch points as I can with my audience. And it's not just, okay, I send it to one influencer and see how many dollars I get back. It's like, I'm going to send 600 out. And over time, that creates like a snowball effect of awareness and then sales. Yeah, because I think people's brands mindsets are slowly changing, but they do need a change when it comes to what they think about when they think about influencer marketing, because they typically think of, cool, we're going to send it to one person with 60,000 followers and where are all my sales? I'm burnt by influencer marketing. This is, you know, horrific. This is, we hate influencers. But instead of thinking that, it's you've got to think of all those different touch points that play into it. You've got to think of, you know, when you bought something the last time you bought it, what were all those interactions you had with the brand? You might have seen, you might have seen actually a billboard. You might have seen a Facebook ad. You might have seen an influencer post about it. And then by the time you saw it on your Instagram feed come up, that would be the final touch point. So it's like marketing 101. There's so many different touch points that come into it. And also I really like how brands are shifting their mindset around the content side of things because so many influencers now are like their own creative studios. So the opportunity for brands to get a really contextual, amazing user experience shot of their product is set now you know, it's never really been, we've never had access to that before. So if you think about maybe a, um, you know, a thermos or something, then yes, a brand can either invest in a studio style shoot or a, you know, pay so much money to get a creative studio to go and shoot that on a road trip. Instead, you can send that to an influencer and figure out either a payment structure or a product structure. And then you get suddenly these, you know, beautiful like New Zealand roadie van photos that are shot beautifully. And that's, and that's an image you would never, get access to before the likes of Instagram. And I think we've seen this particularly demonstrated during lockdown where all of a sudden you've got people that don't have access to studios, you don't have access to the photographers you normally would, but all of a sudden you've got these influencers who have always worked from home, have setups that they normally use for their different product shots or whatever they're doing. And so all of a sudden we've got all these little mini home studios and you know the postal service is still working. So it's like it's seen a bit of a change but I've noticed that especially during these times. Yeah and I think as brands just think as well when you're working with an influencer you're also getting that content asset so if you don't get necessarily get you know 10 sales then you've also got this image that you didn't have before that this person's like spent time and energy and like their experience and sent it to you so you are paying for more than just exposure. Yeah and I think that's one of the things that I've been talking a lot about here is that don't think of influencers just for content amplification think of them as superior content creators right and it's funny because sometimes you go in the feed you'll see people with just a few hundred followers but the content is magnificent so there's a lot of people that brands can be working with especially when you talk at the micro nano level and yeah they they can work remotely now covid doesn't stop them uh and they're good at what they do and and you know when i spoke recently at social media marketing world i brought up the case study from have you ever heard of pixley Pixly? Pixly, yeah. So there's there's a bunch of like influencer tools out there, but Pixly has always been about ship your product and pick from like user-generated content or don't even ship your product, but pick from user-generated content that you can license and then use wherever you want. So they had some really compelling case studies of uh, companies that were using that user-generated content, not just for their organic social and not just for their paid social, which it converts better, but even like on checkout pages on their website. And that content would always convert better than your standard stock photos of the product. So yeah, as you say, those really are assets and they could be used anywhere, not just on social media, uh, assuming you have the contract in place. So I'm hoping that more and more brands really catch on to that fact 
and stop yeah. wasting money on on photos. I mean, I've had you probably had the same thing, but I've had brands reach out to me where the advertising department was still creating the content for Instagram. And, you know, the social media manager was like, I, I can't publish this content. It's going to look like an ad on Instagram, even though it's organic. So that's really the challenge. And, and influencers help fill that gap, right? Definitely. Yeah. And it, also a tip is if you do invest in a big influencer, you know, say Richard Branson is holding your product, then repurpose that everywhere. Use that as your ad copy. Use that as your ad, you know, put that every every couple of months, put that on your Instagram feed. Use it as, so you can repurpose that and get more out of that image than that initial post that they did. And that does happen. One of my clients is a hair color company and Huda Beauty just happened to post their product and they've never had any Amazing. relationship. So it does happen, especially if you have a good product, obviously. Let's now shift gears once more. So I, I said we were going to talk about three things today. We have the Instagram marketing side for business. We have the influencer marketing side and then the personal branding. I know that this is something you're really passionate about. Uh, you recently launched a new product around it. And I think that a lot of people listening are both interested in their brand as well as becoming more influential themselves, especially on Instagram. So based on everything we talked about, if you are a brand, I'm assuming that really the same things that we talked about apply, but because you're a person, there's a lot more you can do from a relationship and engagement perspective, correct? Definitely. Yeah. The power of personal branding these days is just going to become more and more of an investment in your career and in your future. We're seeing actors get jobs, the ones with audiences. We're seeing authors, the ones with the audiences on Instagram are getting the book deals. We're seeing athletes get the best sponsorships or invest in their personal brand. Anyone who invests in their personal brand and whatever career they're in, you'll become a head and shoulders above the rest of your industry um, just because you are investing in that and getting your own audience and you do then become, you get that freedom and flexibility and autonomy to be in charge of your own career. But yes, to your question, the the concepts are exactly the same, but the mistake that we see personal brands make is not not uh, acknowledging that they are a personal brand. So when you are when you do decide who you are as a personal brand, figuring out your brand values, figuring out uh, what your content pillars are, being quite strategic about exactly who you are as a brand, just like you would if you were de- developing, you know, a style guide and a brand book for a brand. Um, you, you do that with your own values and your own, your own person. Um, and that's going to be the easiest way to stay really consistent and figure out what products to then work with, uh, what directions you would head in, the values of your audience and everything else becomes clearer when you do those exercises. So I highly recommend, it's like what you said at the beginning, people have to act more like brands and brands have to act more like people on Instagram to sort of stand out. So yeah, go through those exercises. But I assume the challenge then, you know, businesses are somewhat bound by their audience they serve and the products they have, but people are not bound by anything, right? You see people just go all over the place with their Instagram posting, which, which makes it very hard to build that brand. But that whole, I mean, how do you become, if you're a photographer, this is a no-brainer, right? But if you're not a natural content creator, how can you go about like getting started on this Instagram journey? Well, I would probably fall into the space of like not being so good at creating content and also being someone that was like very reluctant to personal brand at the start. You know, if it was up to me, um, I would, you know, wouldn't have my face on anything, but it's been a big push from Tasha. It's been a very, it's been the best move that we did for Instagram. So I think what sort of happens and when you're trying to create that content, the best personal brands that we see are those that are authentic. So even though you may not have the best camera, maybe you can write a better caption. Like how can you draw people in and it comes back to that value? It's sort of like if you're not going to have that aesthetic feed, then where else is your value going to be? Is it going to be in the humor? Is it going to be in your authentic stories? Like where do you fit in? 
because that's where that's where the beauty of it lies. Yeah, and a way to figure out this is think, okay, as a person, what are you most passionate about? So what transformation do you want to see in the world? What what thing are you what message are you trying to get across? What where does your core story fit into that? Um and then from there figure out your values as a person. So whether you value freedom and creating financial freedom for people so that they can work from anywhere and do what you've what's created the most beautiful moments in your life or you figure out those key like you know four or five values that you as a person have and that you want to get out and help other people and then from there that's when you can create that content pillar from that it's like okay cool I'm really passionate about self body love and then how can I do that so maybe I'm going to um, you know invest in a kind of photo shoot that shows my journey or maybe I'm going to do like inspiring Canva quotes about body image um, so you figure out the values first and then you can create content pillars for those values. So you mentioned two very very common tactics the Canva quotes or the photo shoots and are there any other like really easy to understand easy to implement types of tactics like those where you can like batch create content that you recommend? Yeah, so I think, you know, even like obviously it comes back to what your value is and what your personal brand is um, and then that content will be determined by that. And even like as an example, so you might batch create content but we know people that have personal brands and they take their own photos and they're not massively amazing but they have a copywriter, like they'll have a ghostwriter so they'll say, I want to talk about this, blah, 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 blah and then they'll write the caption for them. So they'll just take a random selfie or they'll do something, you know, they might be out and about with a client or something and that can be a really candid photo Mm. but the copy itself becomes valuable because they've hired someone to do that for them because that's not their strong point either Um, and then that becomes really massive value for their audience that people want to follow along and see insight to. Yeah, an example would be we know a like entrepreneur personal brand who has a really great Instagram account and she thought okay well I'm not a content creator how am I going to do this um so she gets she's got about three content pillars the first content pillar is actually the great stock photos that you can get for free these days um so like unsplash or pixel or whatever you can get those and that might be like you know a laptop image or a remote working image or something like that and then the second content pillar is that she just goes and does one day a month of with a photographer and gets a image bank um, that she can draw from and then the third is images and or videos as she's out and about so if she's at a conference she'll just do a little video and then she'll post that and that's a really clear way that she can have a great aesthetic and get across her value but without being like oh, I'm not a content creator. What's really interesting is that I think when Instagram just started it was all about the visual And more and more, as you suggest, we talk about the caption to the point where I know someone is actually writing a book about using Instagram as a blogging platform where the caption becomes a blog post, right? Which you're sort of hinting at as well. So in that scenario that you gave me of that entrepreneur, the visuals are, I guess you could say they're like visual content buckets, but at the end of the day, the visuals are just talking points for these mini blog posts that become the captions, correct? So the visual is not tied to the caption. And I think that's the struggle that a lot of people have with Instagram is they try to tie the two together as brands do as well. And it doesn't, it, it becomes really challenging. Yeah, definitely. I think the best engagement we're seeing is people that do bring that journey and that story through their captions. Um, and then people get really invested in that and comment. And then if you've got a if you've got a content bank that you can draw from, then if you've got something to say that day and you're really passionate about, you know, the next step in your journey of sharing that, um, then you just pull an image from your content bank that is relevant-ish to it. And then yeah, it is it is flipping a bit. So it used to be image first, what can we write about this? And now it's sort of we're bringing that that common thread and that journey and that value through and then what image can go with that. 
because if you think about the way that algorithms work, they also look at time spent on profile. So just like with carousel photos tending to get more engagement, the longer caption, that's what, what a lot of people here are saying. I don't know if you see the same there, but it, it makes a lot of sense, right? Yeah, we, I think we've definitely seen a massive shift. You know, if you even look at five years ago of like, happy Monday, you know, or like, who's having a good day? Like, unless you're Kylie Jenner, like no one really, you know, no one really engages with that anymore. But like you say, I like the idea of using it as a blog post because you're so right that, and we've seen that value shift change, even from like everyone's personal everyday accounts no longer just have, you know, two to three words. They've got a little bit more substance to them. And we say the same thing in stories. The people that do, you know, cover their whole day and have dots at the top of their screen that scares away a lot of people but they have a core audience and that audience becomes more valuable than any audience because they're the ones that tune in each day and are used to that and are waiting for that and watch every single segment and then obviously that creates such a deeper connection with that person and those are the people that you know are selling out their new product launches because they have such an engaged audience and that's time on profile once again going through all those stories that's a minute two minutes that's huge right 100%. Yeah. So, I mean, you're you're already hinting that obviously it's not the number of followers, it's number of engagements and number of those core followers that can drive everything else. This is, I guess, the first time that I've ever talked about this. And this is really good information for those that have really struggled by creating the content is to really separate the visual and the caption. Any final thoughts for people that want to, I know that we've covered a lot today and I'm trying to cover for what I just forgot I was going to ask you, but <laughs> any, any final thoughts of when you knew you were going to be on this podcast or set of information you wanted to share with business owners, entrepreneurs, marketers uh, that are listening vis-a-vis Instagram marketing, influencer marketing, Instagram, or personal branding, Instagram, anything that was critical that we didn't cover? I think above everything else, like Tasha and I can get really in detail on everything that you can do on Instagram and we can pick apart anything and say like, oh, I wonder how they're doing this or maybe they could do that better. But at the end of the day, like if you just remember, okay, why am I here? And what do I want to achieve? And then just take action because action trumps everything, right? Like you could do like the most perfect posts, you know, and everyone knows that imperfect action is better than no action, right? And it's the same yeah. on Instagram. So I think sometimes people can yeah, listen to what we say yeah, and we can like yeah, really totally. overdo it. Like we have people messaging like, do you think these three hashtags are right? Well, am I supposed to be using 28 or 30 hashtags? And it's like, just do something. And the more posts you do, the more eyes you're going to get on your stuff and the more, you know, the more movement's going to happen. So I think that would be the underlying theme um, for anything that we come out with is though although we can be quite full on above everything just take action and, and that's the segue of what now I remember what I wanted to ask you about that was perfect you, you teed it up perfectly <laughs> was about consistency obviously if you're consistent that's awesome if you're able to show up every day that's awesome but not everybody has that habit of batching or ideas or what have you is there I mean when you work with clients I'm assuming you recommend frequency of like daily but what is your for those that can't do it as frequently what is sort of your take on that? If you don't, if you don't do it at least once a week, the, you know, the algorithm is going to forget about you or what, what, what would you say about that? Yeah, we often say to people, your grid now, the algorithm doesn't stress out as much as it used to if you don't post on your grid as frequently. But we say that you just want to post as often as you have high quality value driven content for. So if that is every day, then that's amazing. If you have like a meme page, then and that's five times a day, then that's amazing. If that's two times a week, then do that. And do that instead of being like, "Ah, what am I going to post? And like taking a photo of whatever is happening that day that doesn't align with anything or give any value. So we definitely recommend, you know, as frequently as you can, but with in mind of always, always putting out quality. But the flip side of that is 
stories. So stories, quantity is key and, you know, top of screen, top of mind, have those up as frequently as possible. And those are amazing because once you start to integrate that into your routine, it's not like posting on your grid. It doesn't have to be curated. It doesn't have to be branded. It doesn't have to be beautiful finished portfolio. It is on the fly. It's the behind the scenes of your brand. So if you are struggling, then just start to story more frequently. Awesome advice. So obviously Viv and Tasha from the Instagram podcast, but in their own words, and I know that you, I don't even know if the waiting list is still open for that, the personal branding course, but please tell the audience where they can find you, how they can work with you, everything they can do with you. Go for it. Awesome. So I suppose it, like you said, Neil, our podcast is called Instagram podcast. And if you've got any inquiries, just flick them through to hello at Instagram.com. That's our email. Yeah. And we are actually, I know you mentioned at the beginning that we do in-person workshops in New Zealand, but due to COVID, we've actually opened that up to the world because we're doing them online now. So our awesome. next Instagram training workshop, um, which is comprehensively in detail, all the full strategy that you will need from, you know, we touched on aspects of that today. So that'll be either in the first week of August or the first week of September. But if you go to www.instagram.com, then we'll keep that updated with details. I had to hear that dub, dub, dub. Thank you. And <laughs> I, know, I, I heard you don't even need to say that anymore. I just need to say Instagram.com, but I'm, oh. just, I'm, like, a, I'm like a 90s person. Stuck it's automatic. Yeah. And I assume that the, you're uh, the business coach that's helped you like maximize your profits. Three axes also. I, I've always wondered why you never did those remotely. And maybe I should take this opportunity to ask you, I guess business must be so good for you in New Zealand that you never really had to do it remotely, correct? Yeah. And I do feel like there's an aspect of Kiwis being more old school and that a lot of the medium businesses just weren't used to doing online trainings and they just really wanted that in-person training and they would they would wait until we set a date for it we'd be like yeah we're doing an online one and they're like no we're going to wait until even if it's in two years time we're going to wait to an in-person one we have now opened up to the world that's really (laughs) I, i do a lot of business in japan and they're like they never did webinars it was you know and now they have to so all of a sudden yeah. anyone and everyone i'm like what happened like you you flip the switch on online training and, and now everybody does it so and that's totally that's and I, doing it though because here it's very standard as you can imagine totally and i think as well i've noticed kiwis have a very diy attitude like they're amazing at you know mucking in and kind of figuring it out and doing it themselves and that's what i figured with the you know the personal branding course even though my audience is mostly kiwi it's often americans that buy and invest in that coaching and taking things to the next level because they are so willing to say i need help in that so i'm going to talk to an expert in that yeah definitely cool hello at instagram.com instagram.com is where they can access that online workshop coming up and this will be published before then. So if you're listening, you got to take that. And when you do workshops in person, are they like full day, like eight hours of Instagram? It it seems like you have enough content to cover that. I know, right? They're only three hours and I do love it. I I love it in person workshops because we split them into beginners and advanced courses. So often our beginners, we need to help them like connect to the Wi-Fi at the beginning of the session, you know, like it's real hands-on and it just means everyone gets the most out of it sometimes. Yeah. And that's a, we also do the online versions of both of those. So if you are listening and you, you haven't actually embraced Instagram yet and you actually want to know just like how to story, how all the functions work, how to utilize it, how to use it, then beginners is great for you. But if you already using it but you just want to take it to the next level and reach all those people and start converting at a higher rate then the advanced is the best so everyone listening hopefully if you've listened to other people even some people you might call an instagram expert talk about instagram hopefully you see how refreshing and authentic and just really common sense good practical actionable advice that vivintosh gives so i hope that if you're looking for a course that's the one to take 
So thank you so much for being on the podcast. I was really excited. I'm sorry I don't have a glass of wine. Oh, and I'm going to take a selfie at the end too. But I'm, I, I promise you I'd have a glass of wine, but at 3 p.m. my wife was just not happy about that. So, um, <laughs> but, but you're the first like podcast I actually listen to like every week that I've actually had a guest on mine. So it's very special. I really thank you for that. Hope we can keep in touch. Just all the best for the two of you. And um, hey, everyone listening, thank you so much for tuning in. We'll be back again next week. Viv and Tosh, thanks. Thank, thank you so, so much for Neil. having us. All right, I hope you thoroughly enjoyed that podcast and now you have a lot more clarity as to what you can and should be doing on Instagram. I know it sort of made me change my own way of thinking about Instagram, so lots of work to do. All right, well, thank you for listening to another episode. As I began this podcast, I really could not do it without your feedback, whether it is a download or going out of your way, if this brought you any value, to just leave a simple review and comment wherever you listen to this podcast. I recently had a gentleman from India reach out to me. He does not have any Apple devices. He was listening to this podcast on my website, neilshafer.com. And I do have a new podcast page, which I'll put in the show notes, which allows you to actually listen to a number of episodes, my latest 25, as well as my most popular 25 episodes before those, uh, directly from a browser on a smartphone or on a PC or tablet. And he was wondering, well, where do I write the review if I'm listening on your website? So there are various podcast apps out there. If you can't do it on Apple and Google, uh, Stitcher.com, and I'll put this in the show notes, uh, S-T-I-T-C-H-E-R.com, is a popular site where you can go in and review uh, not just my podcast, but other people's podcasts that you want to to review because you like them and you feel that they add value. And trust me when I say that when you review a podcast, I believe that every podcaster really looks at those reviews and is really grateful. With that in mind, I want to thank AJ Wilcox. AJ was a guest of mine. We talked about LinkedIn ads. I'm going to make sure that I put his information in the show notes, uh, that episode. He wrote, Neil is the man for the job. When the foremost thought leader in enterprise social media hosts a podcast, I listen. I can't think of anyone I'd rather have leading the charge. Listen up, you won't regret it. Thank you so much, AJ. You are the man. And if you want to know more about LinkedIn ads, AJ is your man. So I'll put the uh, link in the show notes. But hey, really thank you again for listening. And wherever we are in the world, make it a great, because we're still on lockdown here in the United States, virtual day. Bye-bye, everybody.